Happy holidays, my friends. It is Sarah Burr, otherwise known as the Sausagetarian, and welcome to our Christmas special. I'm saying our, who is we? We is me and you. This special wouldn't be very special without you, so I feel terrific to be able to take some time for us to hang out. We're going to talk about holiday cooking, holiday baking, and stuff that's on our minds this 2020 holiday season. Right now, what's on my mind are Christmas records. Every year, I get my Christmas records out. I have a bunch of them, some of them from when I was young. Some of them I have found at thrift stores and record stores over the years. But the Christmas records I have right here in my hot little hands are ones that... Let's see, I've got five, and they are generic Christmas carols packaged up for kids in an LP format. Let's see what we got here. We've got children's Christmas favorites, Frosty the Snowman. This came out on Diplomat Christmas Records. That's a well-known label, isn't it? Diplomat Christmas Records. It features the Carolier Singers and Orchestra. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's another Diplomat Christmas Records favorite. Now, this one is Frosty the Snowman. However, this came out on Pickwick Records, and it came with a free snowman decoration. Let's see what that is. If we flip over this LP on the back cover, it has a step-by-step photo instructions about how to assemble a punch-out paper snowman. Man, so when I was a kid, because that's when we had these records, my mom must have picked them up, I don't know, at some department store, or even gotten them secondhand from a neighbor. I would look at this picture of this punch-out snowman. I'd be like, I wish I had that snowman to punch out and put together. But probably she did get these secondhand because some other kid had already punched that thing out. That was my dog. All right, I'm back. Everything's good now. I let the dog in my high-tech recording studio, otherwise known as the room that was my office and is now my sewing room or the room where we put all of our junk. However, these Christmas records were not kept in this room. I keep them in the basement in a part that doesn't get very moldy. And then I bring them out around December 1st. We usually get our Christmas tree. We like a live tree. We usually get it out like the first weekend. And that's what we did this year. So the tree's been up for almost a week and it's making everything smell nice and piney. What I like to do is start playing these Christmas records right around December 1st. I'm that kind of a person. I don't like to start getting in on anything too early. December 1st is completely rational in my universe. I want to keep Christmas special, right? Only for sometimes, making it like extra, extra special. I get out my Christmas records and I listen to him. My all-time favorite Christmas record is Merry Christmas by Johnny Mathis. It's wonderful. I like to play that when I start decorating the tree. But then these other ones I usually play, I don't know, when I'm like cleaning the house. Sometimes I play these when I'm cooking to get in the mood, but your hands are like goopy. It's not great to be flipping Christmas records over when you're in the middle of making a gingerbread house or what have you. So what do we have here? Um, We have Frosty the Snowman number two. Oh, here's Frosty the Snowman number three. This one is also with the Carolier Singers and Orchestra, but this one has different songs, uh, some of the same songs. So I think what happened is there'd be a subsidiary label and the, the parent label would get some licensing licensing for these songs, and they'd just have some, like, generic singers come in and sing them. And this was just a regular job, right? Like, this was just a regular work day when these caroliers came in and, and sang the songs, or some producer would just produce this. It wasn't a big deal. And, and here I am, having listened to these 
once a year, most of my life, and they've become touchstones for me. So I wonder if the people who worked on these records ever think about them. But traditions are funny that way, aren't they? They mean so much to us. I know there were years I didn't listen to these, probably because I didn't have a record player or I was all grumpy and not into Christmas. I can still think about them, right? Like they still live on. Inside me, these songs are eternal. Come on, Frosty the Snowman. Up on the housetop. I remember singing that at our Christmas performance when I was a little kid. I always liked it because we got to do like a snapping thing at one point. The main thing is do what makes you feel good to be the best you you can be because that's the best gift you can give. I suppose I should introduce myself a little bit better too. So you may know me from the Pandemic Pantry segments of the Icy Robots Radio Stuck at Home show. Uh, and if you don't know me from that, you're probably related to me or my friend. So thank you for being any of those things. It's just so terrific to be able to talk into a microphone about random stuff. But speaking of traditions, the first lady of country music, Loretta Lynn, is here to talk about her holiday baking traditions. I'm going to hand it over to her. You're listening to I See Robots Radio. I heard the bells. Holiday time is real special to me. It always reminds me of when Lou and I first started out. We sure had a lot of love back then. That's about all we had. Well, honey, we always had good things to eat on holidays. Oh, that's true. Because I get out my Crisco and I do some special baking. I love trying out new recipes. And every year, I find all kinds of new things to bake with all vegetable Crisco. Look at here. Cranberry cherry pie. And talk about a flaky crust. Even my girls are finding great new Crisco recipes. Patsy made these chocolate bonbons, and Peggy made this wreath cake. And Loretta made these raspberry snow bars. Mmm, my goodness. Hi, quit talking with your mouth full. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a lot of great tasting holiday treats you and Crisco can make. There's two things that always makes a holiday special, and that's great tasting food and being with the ones you love. Right, girls? Look for Loretta's Crisco recipes in your favorite woman's magazine. Crisco, do you proud? Every time we may return to the Sausage Lotteria Christmas Special with your host, Sarah Burke. All right, everyone, we are back and we have made it to the meat of the matter. We're going to talk about cookies. This is the cookie portion of the show where you're going to discuss my favorite Christmas cookies today. Meaning today, these are my favorite Christmas cookies. But if you ask me tomorrow, I might tell you different cookies. I'm going to give you my five favorite Christmas cookies, and we're going to have some tips about Christmas cookies. Cookies are a big deal in my family. They're probably a big deal to you, and they're the biggest deal around Christmas time for many, many of us. I am so smitten with cookies, and I've gathered some of my cookie recipes around me right now. I've got the Better Crocker Cookie Book and the Belt Cookie Table Cookbook up here, and I also have my recipe file. So that's where we're going to start. I have this big accordion file and this is where I keep my recipes and of course the first category in this accordion file cookies right cookie recipes what do I got here so many cookie recipes oh my goodness um spicy chocolate chunk cookies those ones are vegan and gluten-free and yet still delicious these little hazelnut shortbreads chocolate crinkles we'll get to those in a bit Oh, man, gingerbread blondies. Those are really very nice. I collect cookie recipes. Some of these I have made. Some of these I want to make, and I 
very well may never make. All right, here we go. We got chocolate chunk gingerbread cookies. This is truly one of my all-time favorite Christmas cookie recipes, and I have I have a story about all of these cookies, but this one's pretty good. I used to be an intern at Martha Stewart Living Magazine. This is in the late 1990s, and I worked in their Manhattan office. It was on 42nd Street across from the New York City Public Library, and it was very exciting to be working in the big city. I was... I I felt kind of like a yokel, and I had this very silly idea that everyone in the test kitchen at Martha Stewart Living Magazine would be charmed with my personality and wit and joie de vivre, and that's not how it worked out. I kind of like crashed and burned there because I wasn't received warmly, and it just got me off on a foot where I had no confidence and I screwed every single thing up. However, I learned a lot. I don't regret it at all. And I have no bitterness toward the Martha Stewart Living Enterprise. This recipe is one that I made when I worked there. So I tested recipes mostly when I worked there. But they also had me do the kind of things you have an intern do. I worked there over the holidays and they baked cookies and assembled them into tins to give them to all of their favorite associates. This was a gift from the test kitchen to different Martha Stewarty type people. So they had me bake one of their favorite cookies, the chocolate chunk gingerbread cookies, which are luscious. I made, I don't know, maybe 10 batches of this over a day. I just baked hundreds of these cookies to go into these tins of hand-baked cookies that went to who knows who, but I became very, very familiar with this recipe while there. And let me describe them to you. I would say these is like a new style Christmas cookie. Most of the Christmas cookies I'm going to talk about later are old-fashioned ones. This one's kind of a new-fashioned one. You have a fudgy dough that's spiced like gingerbread. It has molasses in it. And it also has two forms of ginger. You've got ground ginger and grated fresh ginger. It takes a long time to grate enough fresh ginger to go into this recipe. And then if you're making 10 batches, you're just like, ugh, grating ginger, grating ginger, grating ginger. But it's totally worth it. That amount of ginger in both fresh and powdered forms gives these cookies a fieriness that really plays off of all of the chocolate you add to it. This recipe has a lot of chocolate. So for two and a half dozen cookies, you use seven ounces of bittersweet chocolate. And in this recipe, you cut it into chunks. You don't use chocolate chips. So this is my tip number one for you guys. When you are making cookies and you want them to be really, really luscious and phenomenal, Cut the chocolate into chunks. Don't buy chocolate chips, which are all well and good. I mean, make chocolate chip cookies. uh, And if buying chips is the thing that's going to get you there, then do it. There's no shame in that. But when you cut chocolate into chunks yourself, you get these irregular pieces and sizes that make the cookie so much more interesting to bite into, I think. And the other cool thing about it is that chocolate chips are coated with a non-melting coating so they keep their shape but it also means that when you take a bite into that cookie assuming it's at room temperature you don't get that wonderful meltiness in your mouth that you do when you hand chunk regular chocolate so that is my big tip I'll add a little addendum to that and that is when you are cutting chocolate chunks I recommend using a serrated knife That's because the serrations help bite into the chocolate and it keeps your knife from slipping around. 
Chocolate's really brittle. It's almost like all you have to do is press into it and it'll shear apart. But the serrations will keep it from being too clumsy. All right. So there is this recipe and it's fantastic. The key to it. So you you make your dough. um, It's got so many chocolate chunks in it. And you roll it into balls about the size of walnuts in the shell. That's a recipe direction I don't care for, to be honest. I like to just give a, an inch measurement. I would say you should roll these into balls about one and a quarter inches across, this recipe says. Because how many of us know what an in-shell walnut, like how big that actually is, right? Um, a golf ball is another thing. Like how big actually is a golf ball? You might be misremembering, but if you look at your ruler, it'll just tell you what that is, right? Like one and a quarter inches, if you have a ruler and you look at it, which I would recommend, then you'll be good to go, okay? So you roll these into balls. You roll the balls in granulated sugar. You put them on the cookie sheet. You bake them. And here's the tricky part is knowing when to take them out of the oven. Do you guys have problems with this? I've been making cookies for years, all kinds of cookies, and I still find it a little bit challenging to know when to pull the cookies from the oven because too early and the cookies are goopy and soft. And then if you bake them too long, they will be hard and and just not nearly what they should be, right? So um, don't overbake these, I put in the headnote of this recipe. There's something about the irregular shape and size of the broken chocolate pieces that results in a richness that's sexy and luscious rather than cloying and gooey. Um, whoa, that's some great writing there, Sarah Burr. Nice job. I think I taught this recipe in a Christmas cookie cooking class at some point. I love to share this recipe. That's why I want to share it with you. So if you are interested in this recipe, just Google Martha Stewart chocolate chunk gingerbread cookies. It's a terrific recipe. And the key is not to over bake them. Um, They will look just a little bit wet in the center when you pull them out of the oven. The other thing you want to do, they'll be puffed and you can... Ha ha ha, listen to that bang. You can whack the cookie sheet lightly on the counter and it'll help spread the cookies and they get those nice crackly tops, all right? That's the chocolate chunk gingerbread cookies. Love these. That's one of my top five favorite Christmas cookies of all the years I've been alive. Oh, here is a biscotti recipe I'm not going to share, but my friend Lori gave it to me and I still love making it. Cranberry streusel bars. That's another favorite. I'm not going to talk about that one though. Here's some gluten-free chocolate chip cookies I'm not going to discuss very much, but I will talk about chocolate chip cookies and Christmas time. I used to be kind of a Christmas cookie snob. I'm still opinionated about it, but a lot of people seem to love having chocolate chip cookies at Christmas time. And to me, Christmas cookies are Christmas cookies, right? They're so special. You only have them around the holidays. That That's what makes them something you really, really look forward to. I can have Christmas cookies only at Christmas, but chocolate chip cookies, you can have whenever you want. So for me, like why waste a chocolate chip cookie at Christmas time? Have it at a different time. Only eat Christmas cookies uh, <laughs> when it's Christmas time, right? Like that totally makes sense to me. Um, but if you love having chocolate chip cookies and it's not Christmas for you without those chocolate chip cookies, then like go for it, right? I'm not in your house. Make the cookies or make zero cookies, whatever. Oh, there's those spicy chocolate chunk cookies. Those ones are a little bit like the ginger cookies I was just talking about. Monster cookies, those are pretty tasty. Not Christmas cookies. Wow, I've got a lot of chocolate chip cookie variations in here. So, so many. 
All right, let's look back in here. Oh, see, I knew it. I missed like half of them. That's how many of these cookie recipes I have. A lot of these are from recipes online or recipes that I had in packets to hand out at cooking classes. But if you want to get really in the good stuff, it's like the deep cuts of cookies, then you got to find the recipe cart. Okay, so that's what we got going on right now. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Kalachi. I dated this recipe card when I transcribed the recipe. All right. This was December of 1997. I wrote this down. Kalachi. The recipe is from mom's neighbor, Mrs. Johnson. My mom grew up in Northeast Ohio, and there are a lot of people of Eastern European descent there. So Mrs. Johnson, who my mom calls Ma Johnson, um, she is of Polish background, so she was always making all kinds of tasty treats, and kolaczy was one of them. And to most people in Northeast Ohio, kolaczy is a rolled pastry kind of thing with a fruit or nut filling. It's not a cookie. It's a yeasted pastry. That's very sweet. But Ma Johnson's kolaczy are these wonderful little cookies that are almost like pies. So you make a very buttery dough that doesn't have a lot of sugar. It's got four eggs, five cups of flour, two tablespoons of baking powder. That is like insane. There's no reason to have that much baking powder. I think I decreased the baking powder in subsequent versions. Um, and a pound of butter. That's four sticks of butter and only half a cup of sugar. All right. So four sticks of butter and only half a cup of sugar. That's not a lot of sugar for all those other ingredients, but that's because you have a very, very sweet filling. So you roll out the dough, you cut it into squares with a pastry cutter. I like a little fluted pastry reel. You cut it into squares and then you put different fillings inside and you fold it up so it looks like a baby bunting. These are the fillings that we used when I was growing up. We would use solo brand filling. They have apricot, they have almond, they have prune, and sometimes you can find poppy seed or maybe even raspberry, but the ones we used were the almond and the apricot, all right? It's really hard to find cans of this filling at grocery stores these days, at least it is for me. So I make my own filling when I make this. I take dried apricots and I simmer them in water with a little bit of sugar and a little bit of lemon peel. And then I puree it and it makes what you would call, um, what in Jewish cuisine you would call apricot lekvar, which is um, just like a pureed apricot butter. Same deal with the prunes, right? You get this thick prune filling or a thick apricot filling. And the almond filling I've never made myself, but you could make your own almond filling. Yeah, these cookies take a long time to make, so long to make. I think that's another mark of Christmas cookies. Um, Oftentimes they are cookies that are more laborious and special old time family recipes as opposed to drop cookies that you just bang out. Uh, it's how you keep these family things going on, just like these kolaches that mom would make. And then I grew up making them too, um, just because mom loved them. And eventually I started loving them. Like I said, they, they're a little bit like tiny pies. You shape them into those um, bunting shapes and then you roll them in sugar and bake them. And it's super easy to eat like three at a time, just whoop, right into your mouth. Um, and I used to do that. I used to get like handfuls of these and eat them after school while I was watching the Flintstones. We, my brother and I would basically 
have an all cookie diet when we were growing up starting in December and ending at about like January 3rd. I would say our diet was 50% cookies. We would bake tons of cookies. My brother stopped helping eventually and it'd just be me and mom. And then it was just me. Um, I would crank out these cookies and we would put them in tins and keep them in the garage because here in Ohio, it's cold in the winter and the garage is a great place to keep cookies. So I would like go out to the garage to get another helping of cookies. And that was a thing that happened quite a bit. All right. So what are we going to say is our special tip for Ma Johnson's kolaches? Anytime you have to pipe a filling into something, I think it's really helpful to use a pastry bag. But guess what? I don't always have those around. So when you want to fill these cookies, what I recommend is rolling out your dough, cutting it, and then dabbing the filling into all of the squares all at one time, right? So you do these kind of like assembly line style. And to make it easy to fill them, I put the filling into a gallon heavy duty Ziploc bag and I cut off the tip and that becomes my ad hoc pastry bag. So Boom, 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 boom. You can just go down the line, squirting filling into these kolache. And that really helps speed up the process. It makes it a lot more accurate, not nearly as messy. I'm all for it. All right, that's kolache. What else do we have going on here? Oh, oh, here we go. I've got a big collection of sugar cookies. Definitely a thing I love having at Christmas. This probably... I don't know, this might be my favorite Christmas cookie recipe, although I haven't made sugar cookies in a couple years. Although take that back, I had an assignment from one of my clients who hires me to develop cookies. Um, I did a sugar cookie recipe for them, which is really cool because I got to pull from all these sugar cookie recipes I've amassed over the years and make something from that. So I wonder what that one is. Like it's lost, lost to time. So here we go, I've got... My grandma bird sugar cookie recipe. I like to make those ones at Valentine's Day. They're a little puffier. Cut them out into hearts. But we're talking Christmas cookies. So I've got I got this recipe, which I also don't make. I just keep it on hand for <laughs> sentimental reasons. And that's from a family friend, Sherry Hoffman. And my Christmas cookie recipe, my Christmas sugar cookie recipe came from... My mom, and she got it from the Columbus Dispatch Reader's Exchange. On Wednesdays, a lot of newspapers used to have their cooking section, and there would often be a recipe request column. That would be like a whole page, and somebody would write in asking, hey, I'm looking for a recipe for sunshine salad. And then like five people would share their recipes for their versions of sunshine salad, which is like a jello salad, whatever. But... Sometimes people just send in recipes that they thought were pretty great. It's almost like, well, I don't know what it's almost like. It it just shows that people have always been exchanging ideas about cooking. Um, and as newspapers have fallen out of fashion, people just do it like on Instagram now. And then, you know, you can DM people with questions about this and that. So I think there's still a lot of great dialogue about cooking. I, I feel like we're having a dialogue about cookies right now, although it's fairly one-sided. So my sugar cookie recipe from my mom. I used to make these. Mom would make a lot of the dough and then she'd put it in a Tupperware container and put it in the fridge and we'd roll it out the next day. I really like parceling out the labor of Christmas cookies this way because you get your cleanup broken up into steps too. And also when you make sugar cookie dough or any rolled cookie, if you're working with dough that's a little bit chilled, 
You want it to be pliable, but not warm because when it gets warm, that's when it gets gooey. It's hard to roll out. It sticks to the rolling surface. It sticks to the rolling pin. You have to use a lot of flour. That makes the cookies tough. Using dough that's slightly cool really works in your favor. I'm a miser and I don't have the heat on very hot in here. Usually the kitchen's like 65 degrees. Um, That's a really great temperature for making cookies. However, one problem with chilling the dough is, especially if you do it like my mom did and you put in a big Tupperware bowl is then you have to roll it out and it's in this like giant block. So the best thing to do is make the dough and then put it on wax paper or plastic wrap and press it into a rectangle shape that's flat because that way it's already flat and it's already in a nice shape. I like to roll my dough out into a rough rectangle because I feel like I can get the most cutouts for, for one sheet of dough. You can re-roll your dough, but every time you do, you have to add more flour and it makes it tougher. And you're also using more time, right? So I like to challenge myself by rolling out the dough and seeing how many cutouts I can get from one sheet of dough. It's my, it's my little challenge. I also like to do just one type of cookie per, like one, one cookie cutter type of cookie per sheet of dough. So I'll take the, the bells, right? That's a classic Christmas sugar cookie shape, the bells. And I'll do just one sheet of bells. And if you invert it, like every other time, you can get a bunch of bells from one roll out of cookie dough, okay? So just remember to put your cookie dough into a parcel if it's rolled cookies, because that'll help it come to temperature a little bit better out of the refrigerator. You don't want it brittle when it comes out of the fridge. Um, So just let it sit out for like half an hour. And when it's pliable but cool, that's when you want to roll it off, okay? And when I roll out those sugar cookies, what I do now is I sprinkle them. Like I get a decent amount of flour on both sides and on the rolling pin. And when I roll them out, I then take a dry pastry brush and I brush off the excess flour. Because the flour is not the part that tastes good. Um, But it keeps it from sticking to your rolling pin and that keeps you from getting frustrated. So this brushing off the flour business, I think is a super duper help. I have a pastry brush that I don't use for anything but brushing off flour. I bet most of you don't have one of those. Like, why would you, you know? But um, if you're really dedicated to uh, making pastries, you know, think about doing that, okay? So that's sugar cookies. When I was a kid, I would spend like hours rolling out sugar cookies using the opposite methods I just described to you. I would use tons of flour, warm dough that was overworked. I don't, it didn't matter. I loved it, right? So it's cool that my mom let me do that and make a mess in the kitchen. Once I had cut out the cookies, I'd put them on the cookie sheets And we would take all of our decorating supplies and I would painstakingly lay them on almost like a mosaic to make designs like faces on the angels out of rainbow jimmies. And I would take cinnamon red hots and I would put them on the little gingerbread man shapes to make buttons and faces for them. And then when we baked the cookies, the cinnamon red hots would kind of explode and melt. And they were actually really tasty that way. They were even better that way. Very messy. But um, anyway, these are great memories for me. I think it was a way that my mom could keep me busy during Christmas break, too. I was, like, occupied for hours wasting time making these exquisite works of cookie art that would be devoured in 30 seconds by me sneaking into the garage, you know, only only several days later. Um, but... It was it was terrific. We would be watching daytime TV, you know, uh, probably the Phil Donahue show, <laughs> or 
listening to my mom's Christmas albums. They're just happy memories. Sometimes my brother would even decorate some of these cookies, but we never, ever put icing on them, ever. I don't know why we would only press the the chocolate jimmies and the sprinkles and the collared sugar and the cinnamon red hots on there to make designs before we put the cookies in the oven. All right, so that's our sugar cookies. More Christmas cookies after this. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Time Life Music presents the greatest collection of Christmas songs ever assembled. It's the most popular recording of all time. Just $26.95. Writer call now. We now return to the Sausage Hotarian Christmas special with your host, Sarah Burr. Here we go. Gingerbread Boys. I I love gingerbread. This is the second gingerbread recipe in my top 10, top 10, my top five favorite Christmas cookies. I don't really, I'm really bad at quantifying things, by the way, right? Like, I just like what I like at any given moment. But gingerbread boys, gingerbread cookies are really important to me. This recipe is from my grandma crop. She was a big baker, right? Grandma crop live across the street from Ma Johnson. She is my mom's mom, or she was my mom's mom. And she was not a very expressive lady. She was kind of a tense um, well, she wasn't a chain smoker, but like she didn't have a lot of outlets, and she was just stuck at the house a lot. She and my grandpa only had one car, so he would have it at work, and she'd be there at the house. She didn't have too many hobbies, but, but she loved baking, and that's how she would show her love to people. So I make her gingerbread recipe now, gingerbread cookies, and I use butter instead of shortening. But this is a pretty standard gingerbread cookie recipe. If you roll them slightly thin, like an eighth of an inch, and bake them for a little longer, they're nice and crisp. But if you roll them slightly thicker and bake them just until they're puffed, they're they're a little soft. I don't want to say chewy because... I don't think gingerbread's supposed to be chewy that way, but you can you can kind of play around and make them different ways. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't do any of these things on purpose to get them soft or crisp because I would say my accuracy as a kid was not that much. I wasn't like using a ruler to check to see that my gingerbread dough was an eighth of an inch thick. I was just I was just getting flour all over that kitchen and probably blobs of dough on the floor and tracking it all over the place. My God, my mom was a saint. Anyway, I love gingerbread. One thing that's good to know about anything gingerbready is that it usually tastes better the next day. You've got all these spices. You've got ginger, cinnamon, cloves. What else is this? Oh, that's only got three spices. I also like to put nutmeg in mine and sometimes allspice. And the molasses. Gingerbread has molasses, which makes it awesome. I love molasses. Anyhow, all of those things tend to mellow a little bit and get a deeper flavor when they have like a day's rest. So gingerbread, in my opinion, is is kind of like for aging. Okay, um, I have some gingerbread dough in the freezer, and I think my daughter and I are going to make a gingerbread house using it. I don't know that that will come to fruition, but anyway, I like to freeze my dough sometimes when I don't feel like messing around with it. I'll like make half of it and freeze half of it. So I got some gingerbread dough in the freezer. We can make these gingerbread boys a reality, like just by thawing that, bam, Boom, make this tomorrow. What other Christmas cookies do we have? Looking through the recipes. Butterhorns, that's one my mom liked. She's She passed a lot of recipes down to me. 
Lebkuchen. I used to make these. These are another gingerbread-y type cookie. They are German and they have some like fruitcake-y type things in them too. Some finely diced mixed candied fruits and peels. I used to think those were gross. I don't know how you feel about them. I think it's because of the bright red and green bits in them, but now I get just candied lemon and orange peels and those I do like, right? Sometimes I'll even make my own because I'm very type A that way. All right, that is the, that is it of our deep cuts of recipes in the recipe cards. But we still have some other cookies I want to discuss. So I have a book. I have my very favorite cookbook ever, 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 ever. It is Betty Crocker's cookie book. More Christmas cookies I after this. The Santa loves Betty Crocker cookies on Christmas, and so does everyone else. Betty Crocker, bake life sweeter. We now return to the Sausage Ontario Christmas special with your host, Sarah Burr. Now my mom had this when I was growing up. She still has it. It came out in 1963, and so many people have very deep attachments to this cookbook. It is because there is a color photograph of every cookie recipe in here, and I don't know how many cookie recipes there are, hundreds. So when I was a kid, I used to take this book down from the shelf and look at it the way you would look at like the JC Penny toy catalog or the Sears wish book, just like, oh my God, if I could eat any cookie on this page, it would be, so I'm flipping through this right now. And let's find a page. Okay, here's a page. This page has kind of like fancy lady party cookies, I would call it. And if I were going to eat any of these, I would have the butterscotch lace cookies. They're very thin and flat and crisp. I've had cookies like that before, but I haven't made the ones from this book. Um, So my mom still has her copy. And that was a gift to her from her mother. I have my own copy. Like I said, this book is so beloved that... The Betty Crocker folks got pretty smart and they published a facsimile edition sometime in the early 2000s. So what I have looks exactly like that 1963 copy, but it's mine. It's not mom's, which um, I'll get mom's someday. But you know what? I, I'm not I'm not waiting for that day. I want mom to be hanging on to that cookbook as long as she possibly can. Like we each have our own. It's good. I had this open to the, oh my God, here's a cookie house. And this photo is like nuts. It's a full page photo of a house made of cookies and candy. And the grass is dyed green coconut. And the shingles are, I think they're Nilla wafers. And the bricks for the chimney are butter mints. And the, mm, they look kind of like flaky flicks. Those are the bricks to make the house part. And the shutters. Yeah, the shutters are like those pink strawberry things. This is basically just like a bunch of purchased cookies assembled together um, to make make a cookie house that I still really am impressed by. Um, Sometimes my daughter, who's 10 now, she takes this cookbook down and looks at it and looks at it. So what I'm looking for is the Christmas cookie page. Christmas cookie page. Oh, here's one. They actually have a couple Christmas cookie spreads. This one has those candy cane cookies. Um, you probably have seen those before. I don't like those, but they're like not, they're not part of my own tradition. There are cookie press cookies. My mom had a cookie press and this is a really old fashioned thing where you make a cookie dough. It's kind of like a sugar cookie dough, but with a higher proportion of fat 
and you put it into this metal cylinder that has a plunger, and then you put a die on the bottom side. And as you turn the plunger, it like it it, it extrudes a cookie shape onto your cookie sheet. So there'd be like wreaths. I think bells and Christmas trees, wreaths and the Christmas trees were the two big Christmas style cookie press things. Um, I, I don't think we even have that cookie press anymore. The cookie press cookies are really cool, but they weren't so important to us that we had to keep it going forever and ever. All right, here is another cookie to me that I love at Christmas time. And it's on this two-page spread of Christmas cookies. Um, Chocolate crinkles are on there, which I love. But what I'm looking at right now are Russian tea cakes or Mexican wedding cookies. They have a lot of other names. I don't know if you're familiar with these cookies, but they are very buttery cookies that have finely chopped or ground nuts in them. And then they are rolled in powdered sugar in these little balls and baked. Some people call them snowballs, like walnut snowballs. So the nuts that go into these really depend on a couple different things. Some of them is your own family background. These Mexican wedding cookies, I think they actually do make them in Mexico. It's a thing I've been trying to figure out for a long time because it seems like they just arbitrarily, like some white Betty Crocker lady just stuck that name on there to make it sound a certain way. But it appears that they do make things like this um, in Mexico. Russian key tea cakes. I don't know if they make these in Russia, but they do make a cookie like this in Greece. Um, Corabietes is perhaps what it's called. And that's rolled in powdered sugar. And it's really buttery. I think sometimes they have almonds in them. And in Austria, they make almond crescents, which are rolled in powdered sugar. That's a very similar cookie. So if you look at global cookie cuisines, this type of cookie is one that you see over and over and over again. And you can really put a lot of different spins on it. When I make it, I like to finely chop roasted pecans. And also I like to put vanilla bean paste in there. Um, One of the things that's great about these cookies, so you roll them in powdered sugar before baking them. But I also like to roll them in powdered sugar when they come out of the oven. So you get like twice the amount of powdered sugar. Sometimes when you have these cookies that have been rolled in powdered sugar, over time, the powdered sugar starts to get affected by the moisture and it gets kind of like this sticky disappearing thing going on. So what you can do is um, you can take those silica gel packets that you get in sometimes weird tins of candy. Um, and it says, do not eat. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those guys, you, you don't want to eat them. I mean, they're not going to kill you, but what they are is a desiccant. So they draw moisture away. And that's why you see them in, in packaged cookies and treats and crackers. You can save those and you can put those in your tins of cookies and it will keep them from getting stale. And it can help, uh, keep those powdered sugary ones from getting that sort of like sticky gumminess. One of the things that's really important to know about these cookies, which I love, they're very, very crumbly. Do not inhale when you're eating them because you will choke on the powdered sugar and very few things will make you feel more stupid than choking on powdered sugar and then having a coughing fit. That's like the least necessary thing that needs to happen in the entire world, right? Did I miss any? I don't think I did. That's five cookies. My friends, that is five cookies. I would really love to hear the cookies that are important to you, whether you make them now or you never made them. They were just like around at different family members or friends' houses. Um, Or if you hate cookies, you probably, you're still listening, apparently. So that's really cool. Thanks for still listening 
during all this cookie talk. I had a couple other tips that I did want to share about cookie baking in general. And one of them is really handy for those Christmas cookie factory days when you're just like banging out cookies all day long. If you want your cookies to have a nice shape and not be flat and runny, it's really good to let your cookie sheets cool down a little bit before you put on your next batches of cookies. And that's because the hot cookie sheets will start melting the butter or fat out of the dough when you put them on the sheets and then you get these little like tiny holes in the cookies and the cookies get sort of like mutilated shape looking, right? They they just don't have those crisp edges if they're cut out cookies. So what I will do is I like to have four cookie sheets. Um, some people only have one, right? Some people have none. It's okay. Like it doesn't make you a bad person. I'm, I'm a paid professional cooking person. So it makes sense that I have four cookie sheets. Actually, I think I have five. But, um, you know, if you don't have any, it's okay. But if you only have one or two sheets, just try to, if it's cold outside, sometimes what I will do is I will put the sheets outside for a couple minutes and it helps them get cold pretty quickly. I would say don't run cold water on the cookie sheets to cool them down because that can warp them, right? They don't love some sudden, sudden temperature changes like that. But putting them outside is a good idea. And if you're making rolled cookies, what you can do is you can keep rolling them out and taking them off of that that pastry board after you've cut them out. And then just put them in the fridge um, and take those nice frigified cookies and put those on the cooled cookie sheets, right? So you can keep cranking out the cookies. It's just that you need to wait for the oven to catch up with you, right? So let the sheets cool before you put your cookies on them. And, and what else? This is a weird tip, but for me, part of the holiday cookie diet also includes a good measure of like feeling kind of crappy from eating too many cookies. That's something I've had to work with and watch over the years, and I've gotten a lot better at it. So my tips are I only make a couple kind of cookies a year, and I actually don't make them at the same time. I sort of parcel it out. Like I said, I will sometimes freeze part of the dough. It's cool to give away your cookies. Do whatever little tricks you need to do to make it so you're not like eating cookies, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and in between time and dessert. I mean, it's really cool. I don't want to make people feel guilty. And if you, yeah, like you shouldn't feel guilty, but if you feel kind of like gross or sick to your stomach or you're trying to watch what you eat, it's okay. Just don't make cookies. And if people give you cookies, maybe eat one and then take the rest to, well, it's kind of hard because a lot of us are like staying at home right now. You can't take cookies to work. I've kind of thought about like, what if I just did a cookie dump at the hospital for all of the first responders there who are just like working their butts off right now? Wouldn't that be great? But, um, and only bake the cookies that you think you can handle. And if you can handle a bunch, bake a bunch of cookies. And if you can't handle any, just enjoy thinking about cookies. That's like cookies live on in my heart every single day. They're always there for me, you know? However, I have really enjoyed talking cookies with you. I hope you learned something. And if you want to tell me about your favorite cookies, you can do it on the, uh, I was going to say you could do it on Twitter, but I'm never on Twitter. Like, ever, ever, ever. Just, like, write me a letter. I'll figure out how to to get it to me. Talk in a bit. The Sausage Hunterian Christmas Cookie Spectacular concludes in a moment. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They're all familiar carols. Do you wrap your presents? It's, It's kind of the classy thing to do. I love opening presents. I don't get a lot of presents because I don't ask for stuff. 
Um, cause I don't need a lot, right? Like I got everything I need in my life pretty much. And I like it when people give me things kind of randomly too. That happens not infrequently. So I have a lot of fun gifty surprises in my life. They don't have to be fancy. However, if you're going to buy a gift, it is just go all the way and, and wrap it up. But I don't like to buy wrapping paper cause I'm a cheapskate. I'll use the funnies. Right, the Sunday Funnies, nice and colorful from the newspaper. Sometimes I use old posters. Those make great gift wrap because we got a lot of posters from from bands from the 1990s in the early 2000s. And we, we don't want to keep those forever. So when I wrap gifts in them and give them to people who know about those bands, it's like two gifts, right? They, they get this fun nostalgic poster thing which I assume they just throw away because it's all folded up with tape on it and then they get the gift inside so uh, I do like to wrap up presents just like we're wrapping up our special I think it's time to thank our dude IC Robots of the IC Robots Radio Network for putting this together and for connecting us too and I would also like to thank all of you guys more than anyone I'd like to thank all of you for listening in and being a part of this holiday funnery. I would also like to encourage you to support people who make things. That's what I've been trying to do this season. And when I say this season, I mean this pandemic season, not this holiday season. This this big, stupid pandemic season. I have been trying to keep things, do my little part. And it is quite a little part, but when people are doing something cool, I like to try to support that with a little bit of money. If you want to do a Patreon, go to supportthereport.com, and that can keep the lights on at the IC Robots Radio Network. And if you don't have the squirrel to do that, that's cool too, because we all have each other's back. There have been years that have been really lean for me, and oddly enough, this year has been pretty flush. So I feel like all the years that I wanted to help out with my public radio stations, with the food banks, with different causes I believe in and I couldn't do it there were other people who would step forward so now I can step forward and I know there are other people who wish they could and they can't it's all of us working together that's how we get through this whole stupid pandemic season we've got our holiday lights on we got our cookies we got our Christmas records whatever makes you feel good during this time whether they're good times for you or bad or probably a mix of both Just keep doing it and reach out to the people you care about if you need help or if you just want them to know you care about them. That's what matters more than anything else. So I am signing off. I want you to have a wonderful whatever it is you're celebrating and just be the best person you can be. Just be yourself. That's the best gift you can give. Nobody's better at being you than you are. Just keep doing that, all right? I will talk to you later. Santa, I make my runs about the break of day. They call me back to Santa. I make my runs about the break of day.